0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year's Eve to all of you. I want to invite you to open in your Bible to John 14. Same place we were last week. Didn't intend for that to happen, but here we are. And uh, last week, Josh preached a little bit about let not your hearts be troubled. And we concluded our, our Christmas sermon series about being troubled. And as we saw in all the different weeks leading up to last week, Mary was troubled and uh, Herod was troubled. And, and up to last week, we looked at you and I being troubled. This last week, I got a call to do a funeral. And. It it worked out with my schedule. I was able to do it. It was in the evening time. And so I I told the funeral director, I said, hey, when you get a chance, please send me the obituary so I can read it and just be a little familiar with it before I get there and and meet the family. And so he sent me the obituary, and I read it. And it was a 54-year-old woman who passed away suddenly on December 23rd two days before Christmas. Not expected. It's not that she'd been fighting some, some cancer or anything like that. Just unexpected. And I knew when I got to the funeral home that when you deal with something like that, a sudden death is always, it shakes people up more than when it's kind of expected, if you know what I mean. And what I'm meaning is, if someone has been fighting a disease or cancer or something for a long time and you kinda have have been seeing signs that the end is near, sometimes it's a little easier to deal with with that reality of death because you've had time to process it up to that point. But this was a sudden death two days before Christmas to what we would say is a relatively young lady. Fifty four is is not that old. And it was hard. There was a lot of people there. The family was having a hard time with it. They had teenage kids that were really taking it hard. And anytime you are in an environment like that, you're reminded of the reality of death. A lot of the funerals that I've done are for people that are significantly older, and so maybe there's not so much of that uh, shock, right, that it just happened but it's a little bit more expected or you know, we saw it coming. But it just, uh, it reminded me of how, how death is like that. We know that we're all going to die, but we don't know when that day will happen. And as I was thinking about that, and as I was thinking about this passage from last week, I was thinking, what a, what a better way to close out the year than thinking about heaven and the way to get there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about heaven and the way to get there. And so John 14, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And uh, before we read it, y'all might think I'm crazy, but tomorrow my mother-in-law is driving up to spend some time with us, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, see, I know y'all think I'm crazy. I have a really good mother-in-law. She really is awesome. She loves coming up, spending time with our kids. She's really great with our kids. They are looking forward to her being up here, spending some, some time with us. And every time she comes up, I always think about the trip from Gulfport to Louisville or, you know, in the reverse order as well. More often than not, we're leaving from here, heading down there, but it's the same trip and it's a very simple trip. If you're leaving from Louisville, you just get on 65 South, And you just take 65 South all the way down to Birmingham, Alabama. It's a long, boring drive. And then when you get to Birmingham, you get on 59 going South and West, and that'll take you down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And then when you get to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, you get off 59, you get on 49, and you take 49 all the way down to the beach. Simple, simple drive. But I've made that drive so many times. Because I moved up here in 2010. And when I moved up here, Samantha and I were just dating. And so I started at Boys College. She was still living at home with, with her parents down in Gulfport, Mississippi. And so anytime I had a, an extended break, like a long weekend, I didn't have to go to class or go to work, I made the drive down to Gulfport, Mississippi. And so I'm real familiar with that route going down 65, down 59, down 49, And I had it down to a science, right? I was driving my Mazda 3 at the time, and I had figured out that if I start in Louisville with a full tank of gas, I can get all the way to exit 282 in North Alabama, Warrior Robins, and I can fill up one time and go to the bathroom one time. And by the time I get to Gulfport, I'll have just under a quarter tank of gas. I had it down to a science. And so that was the only stop I stopped at. So now every time we go down, I'm always looking for that exit. Now it usually doesn't work out to stop there because with kids we've stopped 10 times already and I'm not looking for another stop just for nostalgia, right? But I have made that trip so many times that I, don't, I really don't need to use a GPS. Now I do for you know time and if there's an accident, you know, go around, all that stuff, finding good exits, all that good stuff. But I'm real familiar with that way to go. And in our passage this morning, what we're gonna see is that Jesus really doesn't talk a whole lot about the destination where he's going, but he talks about how to get there. He talks about how to get to heaven, and he tells us that the way there is through him. Let's look at John chapter 14, starting in verse one. We'll read the first six verses. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My first point this morning is don't let this life trouble you. Now, I know this is what Josh talked about last week, and so I'm not gonna hammer this one home, Um, but it's important to be reminded of what Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 14. Do not let your hearts Be troubled. There are a lot of things in this life that are troubling. And the disciples, as they were having this conversation with Jesus, had every right to be troubled. If you look back just a couple of verses into chapter 13, you see that Jesus had started telling his disciples that he was about to go away. Earlier in chapter 13, we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And right after that, we see Jesus tell his disciples, he's sitting there and he tells his disciples that one of them is going to betray him and they're troubled by that and so they ask, well, which one? And he says, well, the one that I give this morsel to after I dip it in the bread, he's the one and he gives that to Judas and then, of course, there's that uh, interchange with Judas and Judas leaves and then right after Judas leaves, we have this conversation. Verse 31 of chapter 13. Now when he had gone out, that's talking about Judas, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. In verse 33, he says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And so Jesus is leading on to his disciples. He's telling them that he's about to leave and go away. And again, verse 36, Simon Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? So he tells them that he's about to go away. They don't know where he's going. He tells them they can't come with him. And then Peter once again says, but Lord, where are you going? We would like to know where you're going. And Jesus' response He says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. And so you've got to think about the the position that the disciples are in. If you look earlier in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew really highlights this, that when Jesus called his disciples to follow after him, they left everything. They left their profession They left their family. They left it all in order to follow Jesus. And so now they've been walking with Jesus and learning from him for three years now. And now Jesus is saying, he's about to go away. He's about to leave and they cannot come with him. This is absolutely troubling to the disciples. And rightfully so. The man that they left everything for to follow is leaving them. And they're troubled by this. Now, there are lots of things in our world that are troubling as well. Now, we don't deal with that same type of thing because Jesus has not walked the earth since we've been alive. It's a little different for us, but yet, we all know that life is troubling in many ways. I think about the direction that our culture is going and how... It's very much so anti Christianity. Embracing things that God says are very clearly wrong, such as homosexuality, transgenderism, lots of things like that. Our culture is embracing these things while the Bible is clearly telling us that they are wrong. That's troubling. Especially as I think about how much the world has changed since I was a child. Thinking about what kind of world my kids are going to be living in here before long. That's, that's somewhat troubling. And then I think about, I don't really watch a whole lot of news, but every now and then I get a glimpse. And I'm reminded why I don't watch it because it's negative all the time. And what you see so much of is corruption everywhere you see corruption in, in governments all over the world that are taking advantage of their citizens and profiting off of it you see it here in the states to some extent and you see things that are just so troubling and it makes you think what in the world is wrong why is our world this way and then you see things like high uh, um things like china is going to invade other countries or you know there's going to be a th- this kind of war that kind of war and it's really troubling I remember a video we watched just a few weeks ago. I don't remember if it was one of the Operation Christmas Child videos or the IMB video, uh, but it was it was a country over there in, in Europe somewhere that was like war-torn, and they were trying to like get these kids out of town or something. Maybe it was an IMB video I don't remember. but I just remember watching that video and thinking, what if our world was like that? what if what if? Our home was like that. It was war-torn. It was hard to find food to give to your family. It was hard to provide for your family. You see, many of us are foreign to that concept. We see it happen all over the world, but it hasn't really affected us right here. And I don't know if you've ever watched a video like that and thought something like that, but I think, man, what would I do? How would I take care of my family, provide for them, if something like that were to come here. Now, maybe that's just me overthinking. But there are lots of things like that that are troubling. But even more so than just like big things in the world, right? There are also little things in our life that are troubling. You know, I I read in the news about Humana is supposed to be merging with some other company. And that always comes with layoffs and people losing jobs, right? I work for Humana, that's how I make my livelihood. And so, of course, you hear about things like that and you think, what happens if I'm cut, right? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to find another job? Things like that are, are troubling. You know, I think about this funeral that I just did, the family that I just met with. They are grieving to no end, thinking about this mother, this wife, this friend that died out of nowhere. Man, life is troubling. There are a lot of things in life that trouble us. And Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you and I today, don't let your heart be troubled. We are going to be troubled at times, but he says, don't let yourself stay there. Don't don't just sit in that anxiety and let it fester in your heart. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Because God has an answer for a troubled heart. And the answer for a troubled heart is believing in the promises of God. When we are troubled, we need to be reminded to believe in God and to believe in Jesus. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. Because Jesus knows that whatever they're feeling in that moment is only temporary. Because Jesus says to them right after this that he's going away but that he's also coming back and he's gonna take them with him to where he is going. He says, you can't come with me now, but I will return for you, which leads us to my second point this morning, which is that Jesus is in heaven with God and he will return for us. Look at verses two and three. Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, Jesus knows his disciples are troubled because he's going away and they can't come with him. And he says, don't be troubled by this, but know that I am coming back for you he says i need to leave now because i'm going to prepare a place for you i'm going to get it ready so that when i come back you will have a place with me and with my father for all of eternity in heaven and we need to hear this regularly because it's easy for us to get bogged down in all of the anxiety and the things that cause our hearts to be troubled here and now There are a lot of things in life, like I just said, that cause us to be troubled. And if we don't have our eyes set on heaven, then that anxiety or that trouble is going to eat us alive. And Jesus is telling his disciples that they need to have a heavenly focus as they walk through life. And you and I need to have a heavenly focus as we walk through life. We need to be reminded that we are not left here By ourselves, not only has God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, but he also has made a promise that he's going to return for us. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna forsake us. He's preparing a place for us. And he is going to return for us. See, it's easy for us to forget the promises of God. As we walk through life, as we struggle with things, it's easy for us to forget this little simple promise that Jesus made here, that he is coming for his people, that he is going to return for his people. You see, if we walk through life knowing that God is going to return for us, that Jesus himself is going to come And his return the second time is not going to be like his his coming the first time. He's not coming to deal with sin. That's already been dealt with. That's already been finished. When he comes, he's coming to take those of us who are waiting for him home with him. And as we read in the end of Revelation, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. Sorrow and sadness will be no more. There will be no more death. There will be no more dying. All things will be made new. And Jesus says, I'm coming for you. And so as we live life here on this earth and we deal with things that are troubling and we deal with things that really get us bothered, Jesus says, if you have a heavenward focus and if you are reminding yourself of this promise that I'm coming, you can get through it. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus. God is going to return for us. He's going to send his son and he will take us to be in heaven with him. But now I wanna talk about really the main point of today's sermon, point three. Jesus is the way to heaven. Just like I talked about at the beginning, there's a certain way to get from Louisville to Gulfport, Mississippi, and vice versa. And now we know there's back roads, there's different ways you could go, right? But for the sake of illustration, let's just understand that there's one main way to go. There's one main way to get there. And if you wanna get from Gulfport, Mississippi to Louisville, Kentucky, you've gotta go that way. Or if you wanna get the other way, you've gotta go that way. Because now, One of the things that you notice in John 14 is that Jesus' disciples seem to be really focused on the destination where Jesus is going. And we get to be like this sometimes too. Anytime we've sent a a team to Ecuador, when they come back, in some way, whether it's a Wednesday night or sometimes Sunday or wherever, right, everybody wants to hear a report about Ecuador. And so anytime that you hear that report, if you've ever heard one before, it's always talking about what happened in Ecuador. What's going on with Stephen Carroll Thompson? What kind of work is being done in Ecuador? How are the churches doing in Ecuador? What are the churches doing in Ecuador? How are they reaching people who have not heard the gospel? Right? Those are the type of things that are talked about. <clears throat> I don't think you've ever heard a mission trip report where someone gets up and they say, man, we had a good time. We uh, went to the counter at the airport and we flew Delta, right? I know y'all were wondering about that. And our our first flight, man, it left early, right? 6.15 was when we had to board. And so we were there at like four in the morning to get checked in and they they took all our bags and they lost one of them, uh, but all the rest made it. And, And then when we got to Houston, we had a connecting flight. See, nobody talks about that because you don't care. All you care about is the destination. What happens there? How are the people there, right? Everything in between is like, I don't care. As long as you got there and got back, we really don't care about the way you got there. And Jesus' disciples are so focused on the destination that Jesus is going to where Jesus is just talking about the way to get there. Notice this, okay? Verse 36 of chapter 13. Peter says, Lord, Lord, Where are you going? He's looking for a destination. He wants Jesus to tell him, here's the coordinates, and so if you plug it in your GPS, that's where you gotta go. That's where you gotta get to. That's not what he gets. Notice what he says. Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Jesus does not tell them a destination where he's going. Then again, in verse 4, Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas's response in verse five says, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? See, they're so focused on the destination that they're not thinking about how to get there. Whereas Jesus is not at all focused on the destination. Jesus is focused on telling them how to get to that destination. And for you and for me, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense so we can, we can sympathize with the disciples because if I were to tell you, hey, I'm gonna go somewhere and I want you to be there too, your response would be like, all right, well, where are we going? Let me plug it into the GPS and I'll get there, I'll follow you. And then if I just said, I'm not telling you the destination, I'm just telling you the way, right? That reminds me of my grandfather. He would give me directions. He, I don't know if he knew that GPS was a thing, but anytime I would visit with him, he would say, all right, here's how you get to there. And he would give me like road names, like the official road name, like you know, uh, RT4093 or whatever, right? I don't know. And I'm like, I don't, is there a sign that even says that, Grandpa? I don't know. But he would give me all the specific directions, right? Because he was concerned about how you get there, not the destination, Jesus' disciples are worried about what's the destination, and Jesus is answering a different question. Jesus is answering, how do you get there? See, what's fascinating here is that in verse four, Jesus says to his disciples, you know the way to where I'm going. Isn't this a fascinating thing that Jesus says? He says, you know the way to where I'm going to which they quickly respond, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on this, said said this so well. We oftentimes think so little of of ourselves and what we know, and J.C. Ryle said this, the plain truth is that all believers are apt to undervalue the work of the Spirit in their own souls and to fancy that they know nothing because they do not know everything. Many true Christians are thought more of in heaven while they live than they think of themselves and will find it out to their, uh, to their surprise on the last day. There is one above who takes far more account of heart knowledge than head knowledge. Many go mourning all the way to heaven because they know so little and fancy that they will miss the way altogether. And yet, they have hearts with which God Is well pleased. See, Jesus can confidently tell his disciples that they know the way because they know him. We get to verse six here, and Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus reveals to them after this interchange that he is the way. And so they don't need to know a specific destination, they need to know a person. And if they know that person, they are going to get to the destination. That's what Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples, but yet they don't think that they know the way because they don't know where Jesus is going. Man, when I read that quote from J.C. Ryle, it stuck with me because I know there are plenty of times where I don't know all the answers and I start thinking less of myself because I don't know all the answers. And I know we all feel this way at times. Man, if I don't know everything, if I can't answer every question, then I might as well know nothing. Jesus confidently tells his disciples, you know the way to where I'm going because it's not a route that you need to take. You don't need to know where the destination is. You need to know me, is what Jesus says. The way to heaven is a person, and that person is Jesus Now, the other thing that Jesus does here is he makes it very clear that there is no other way to heaven. He says to his disciples who don't know where he's going, they say that they don't know the way. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he says this, no one comes to the Father except through Me. That video we just watched was really fascinating, wasn't it? No talking. You're not hearing from any missionary about the work that they are doing or that they're embarked on. Just video of people in lots of different places of the world who worship very differently from you and me, who believe things very different from you and me, And the Bible says, Jesus says, he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. See, there's lots of other religions in the world, and that video was representative of that. There are lots of people that are very devout. They're very religious. and They think that they are going to heaven, but according to Jesus, they are not. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven any other way. It is only through Jesus. And so Jesus would say any other religion that claims to get to heaven a different way is wrong. It's false, it's a lie. There are people who believe that we can work our way to heaven, that we can live in such a way that we can do enough so that God is pleased with us or he's happy with us and he'll let us in. There are some people who believe that God is just so loving and gracious that you know what, he's just gonna let them all in. He's gonna let everybody in. No matter what you did, doesn't matter what you believed, God's too kind and too loving and too gracious that he's gonna let everybody in. Sounds awesome. Only problem is the Bible disagrees with that. Jesus says that he is the only exclusive way to get to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. There is no other way. Now, the other thing is, coming back to this illustration of driving from Gulfport to Louisville, y'all should do it sometime. Gulfport's great. Don't do it in August, though. It's too hot. If you start on that way, let's say you get on, like you start in Gulfport, you get on Highway 49, you start driving north. You are on your way to Louisville. And let's say you get on to Highway 59 and you start heading northeast towards Birmingham, Alabama. And you make it to Birmingham, Alabama. And you're like, all right, there, I see the sign for 65 north. I'm just gonna stay on 59. You started on the way, but are you gonna arrive in Louisville, Kentucky? You're gonna miss it because you have to stay on the way in order to reach the destination. Church, when Jesus says that he is the way, it doesn't mean that we can just have some kind of knowledge about him and that will get us into heaven. It doesn't mean that we can just kind of be okay with God for for a good portion of our lives and then just kind of, go off and do whatever we want the rest of our lives and that we'll get to heaven because we knew Jesus? Jesus says, I am the way. And if you depart from the way, you will not make it to the destination. If you go off course at any point, whether it's the very first few minutes of the trip or the very last few minutes of the trip, if you divert from the way, you will not make it. We cannot read this verse and walk away thinking that as long as I walk the aisle one time at church, I'm good, I know the way, and I will get to heaven. We can't think that. Do not leave here this morning thinking that. And if you walk with Jesus for 65 years, for your entire life, and yet at the very last moments of your life, you walk away and you drift from him, we cannot guarantee that you will make it to deviate from the way means to not arrive at the destination. I cannot say that enough. I'm still young. But yet, as I reflect back over the last 10 to 12 years of my life, in the, it, that's a short amount of time. 12 years is not a long time. In those 12 years, I can probably count a full handful Of people that I knew was close to, that seemed to be walking with the Lord, that today are not. That's sad. That's really sad. If you leave the way, you don't arrive at the destination. Jesus says He is the way. We must believe him. We must trust in him. Our hope needs to be in him and him alone. But our hope needs to be in him until the day that we die. Right? A short little spurt of believing in Jesus is not enough to get you to heaven. It must be, you must be believing in Jesus at the moment of death. You see, we're coming up on a brand new year starting tomorrow. I mean, we're like... 12 hours away from it. And one of the things that I know we all like to do is set New Year's resolutions. And if you don't like calling them resolutions, call them a goal, right? I know that we all don't, we don't always do this, but sometimes it feels good to say, all right, I'm gonna do this in the new year. I'm gonna get better at this. I'm gonna improve myself. I'm gonna drink more water and less soda or whatever. I have a goal that I'm gonna try and do in 2024, I'm going to try and learn a new coding language to help me progress in my, my career. It's one thing that I'm going to try and do. But if you're setting a goal for 2024, if there's something that you would like to do, I encourage you to press into knowing Jesus. See, the Bible's a big book, It's fairly large, takes a while to read it. The Bible tells us about Jesus. The Bible tells us about God's son, the one who has made a way for us to get to heaven, for us to get to God. And there's a lot that the Bible says. And I know that there's nobody in this room who knows everything that there is to know that the Bible teaches us about Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, if you want to set a goal for 2024, set a goal for understanding Jesus better in 2024 than you did in 2023. That is a goal that all of us can attain to because nobody has arrived. Nobody has learned everything there is to learn about Jesus. We all have room to grow. And the more you seek after Jesus, the more it's gonna cause you to love Jesus. And the more you love Jesus, the more encouragement and strength you will have to cling tightly to him, knowing that he is the way, he is the only way, that there is no way to heaven apart from him. And so if you wanna set a goal, that would be a wonderful goal that you could set. Now, I know that I've really talked mainly about Jesus being the way and haven't really talked a whole lot about him being the truth and the life. Well, that was not my goal for this morning, but I did come across a quote from a guy who was born in 1380. This guy's name is Thomas Kempis. And this quote is lived on for a long time. It's really, really an awesome quote. And about this passage, about specifically John 14:6, he said this. Follow thou me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way... There is no going without the truth. There is no knowing without the life. There is no living. I am the way which thou must follow the truth, which thou must believe the life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, life, true life, blessed life, uncreated Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to heaven. When we think about death, when we think about what what is to come after this life, I hope that your eyes are fixed on heaven. And I hope that you know that the only way there is through Jesus. In the very first chapter of John's gospel, John tells us something really, really amazing. John chapter one, verse nine, he says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's talking about Jesus. It says in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Listen to verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The way to get to heaven is to receive Jesus and to believe in his name. Believe that he is the way. Believe that he is the savior. Know that he is the only way and that there is no way apart from him. Church, as we close out 2023 and begin 2024, don't be troubled by this life. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. Know Live every day knowing that Jesus is in heaven with God and he has promised to return for us and know that Jesus is the way and the only way and that to get to God, to get to heaven, we must receive him and believe on his name. Let's pray. Our heavenly father, we are so thankful for this morning for this passage in John's gospel, which Jesus so clearly tells us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. God, I pray that you would help us to have our eyes fixed on Jesus this morning. As we close out 2023, may our hearts be focused on him, knowing that he is our savior, that he is the way. And God, as we begin a brand new year in 12 hours, God, may we begin with that same fervent desire to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is our hope. He is our salvation. God, I pray you'd keep us, keep us near to you in this coming year. God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.